The word of God has power. Listen to this. I have power to lay down my life. It's surrender. When we think about power, God's kind of power, we look to the cross where someone is dying and being beat up. And that describes the power of God. It's just the opposite. So Paul says, it's not the way of the world. And we got to keep that in mind because we can come up with some funny ideas about what it means to be strong. You know what it means to be strong? I'll tell you what it means to be strong, to be weak. I talked to you about that a while back. It means to be weak. For God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. See, that's just the opposite. The opposite is to be strong and over and top down. But Jesus said, it'll not be so among you. It's bottom up. So the lower you go, the higher you get. Listen to this. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. That's the way God chose to do it. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. So, I got a question for you. Don't answer it. Just think about it. I thought about this deeply yesterday really for the first time. I had some ideas, but I thought about it, and then I, I came up with the, the scriptures. Was Jesus good-looking? Don't tell me. Just think about it. If you see a movie where, the, where you've got the 12 disciples, you can always pick out Jesus. Because, you can always pick out Jesus because you know he's got the white robe and he's got the flowing hair he looks beautiful and handsome. Now, listen to this. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So he had form. Sounds like he had a good build. And he was good looking. His good looking got him in trouble, didn't it? David was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. First Samuel's. 16. Sadly, he had multiple wives. Who else was handsome? Daniel. Without blemish and of good appearance. What about the Son of God? He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Nobody's going to take a look, a second look when they see Jesus. He had no form or appearance. The Bible is not afraid, and no beauty that we should desire him. That's the only scripture I know that talks about his physical appearance. And that's what it says about him. And so we've made him better looking because we have a picture of the world. And the world honors good looks and big bodies. Do we? No. We go the other way. It was like God to do this. He doesn't choose the rich, the famous, the standouts, the important. Paul wrote, 
Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish. So, nothing wrong with good looks if you've got them, thank God. But don't think that that gives you any extra points or any kind of advantage on others. The world looks on beautiful bodies and strong bodies, and they get extra points for that. Then the rest of the world admires them, is jealous of them. If you don't have good looks, thank God, because most of the people, it's a detriment, and it's not an advantage. It causes them to trip up more than to give thanks. If Jesus had been good-looking, there would have been proof that God was after good-looking people. That's what I think. It is what he did and said that changed lives, not his looks. His appearance didn't cause people to look twice. So make a movie and do it, do it right. So we're looking to that passage, Isaiah 53. We're going to get a running start and look back. If you have your Bibles or if you have your phone, it starts in chapter 52. And the reason I'm doing this is that we're talking about what we sang about. Thank you, Blake, Stephanie, Isaac. They set us up for what we're talking about this morning, about the healing power in the cross. There is healing in the cross for three things. What is it? What, what there's healing for? Tell me, it all starts with this. That, that, okay. Sin, sickness, and suffering. There's healing in the cross for sin, for suffering, and for sickness. So let's start in chapter 52. Behold my servant, verse 13, shall act wisely, he shall be high, he'll be lifted up. Oh, when it talks about lifted up in the New Testament, what's it talking about? That's cross, and shall be exalted. Now listen, as many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. Not only was he not real good looking, but when he got to the cross, you couldn't even recognize him. By the time he got there, he was so beat up. He didn't have one beating. He had multiple beatings all night long. He didn't look like a human being by the time they sent him to the cross. And that's why Pilate said, Behold the man. Why did he say that? So they'd have pity. He was so messed up, you could hardly recognize a human being. And they said, crucify him. Do the rest. Okay, so who has believed what he has heard from us? Was he popular? No. No one believed it. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? God's got a strong arm, but nobody knows. For he grew up like a young plant, insignificant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. Now, he starts talking about the cross. And there are three things. The cross brings healing from sin. Look at me. I went to San Peter Hospital which was down the street from us, because they were doing an alcohol awareness seminar. And they said, alcoholism is a disease. And I was saying inside, no, it isn't, it's sin. Then I thought about what Jesus said to the Pharisees. I have not come to call the righteous, 
sinners to repentance. They that are well, what? Don't need a physician, but they that are sick. So sin is a sickness. It's sin and sickness. It's both bondage and activity. We're enslaved and we're willful. So Jesus, by his stripes, we are, we need healing for this epidemic that has ravished the world called sin. It's choices I make, and it's bondage I feel. And so I need healing. Where do I get it? Where he was beat up beyond human recognition. That's the power of God. The weakest Jesus was is where God was most powerful. He had never been that weak. He died without them having to break his legs. They broke their legs. That, that didn't feel good. They were already terribly suffering, and then they broke their legs. So Jesus heals us from sin. So the penalty of sin then is lifted. So instead of our going to hell, which is what we deserve, we get to go to heaven. But is there more than being healed from the penalty of sin? Yes. We're also healed from the power of sin. You know what Paul says? It is powerful scripture that I wish Lutherans knew. Sin shall have no power over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Sin shall have no power. Am I sinless? No. But do I sin less? Yes. Because I'm, the power of sin has been broken in my life. So I choose not to sin. Sometimes, sadly, I do choose to sin. But I'm not in bondage to sin like they confess. Thousands, millions will confess that this morning. On Sunday morning, we, are, we confess that we are in bondage to sin. I'd like to stand and say, no, you're not. Yeah. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, you're not under the power of sin anymore. When you sin, you have chosen to sin, but you don't need to sin. Come on. Okay? You believe that? So Jesus said to a woman taken in adultery, he was the one person that could have condemned her. And what did he say? No, first, what did he say? Neither do I Condemn you. You're not going to get con condemned. So that freedom enabled her to take what he said next, not as a command or a scolding, but an invitation. What did he say? Wow. He said that to an adulterous woman who had a problem. But she just got freed from a long-standing problem in the words of Jesus. Let me say to you, go and sin. You don't need to sin. Sin has no power. Where do we find that? Power. I'll tell you, in the place where he, a, a bloody man died a terrible death for us. Wow. Uh, I want to stop then and just, I want you to pray quietly. There is in your life where, where, where you have or are making bad choices. I want you to confess those. And then hopefully, you'll also do it with, to somebody else. You know that 1 John 1, 9 doesn't say we confess to God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. 
You know what the context suggests? The context is two verses earlier where it says, if we walk in the light as he's in light. That suggests that 1 John 1, 9 means confessing to somebody else other than God. I'd encourage you to do that. I do that because I want to walk free from sin. So I encourage you to find somebody close to you that will help you walk in the light, not in darkness. Because in, in the darkness, oh, we get chewed up because that's Satan's territory. He is the prince of the power of darkness. So you don't want to walk there. So I'm going to stop now, invite you to pray silently, confess any sins that you feel you need to, visible ones or invisible ones, attitudinal, attitudinal ones. Jesus, we want to say thank you that you bore our penalty. What, what you got, we deserved, and you took it. That seems so unfair, but that is the justice of God because he loved us so much that he gave his only son. And so we believe in Jesus. We believe in the cross. We believe in those things that are in our life, those attitudes of jealousy or anger or selfishness or criticism, judgment, lust, those things that we want to get a hold of, that you have a power to enable us to walk free from those things. And so we say, thank you, dear Jesus. Okay. So, Jesus, we, you knew that. You know that Jesus died to free us from our sins. You know that Jesus died to free us from our sorrows. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I love a passage in, I, in Psalm, Psalm 22, that says, uh, He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Sometimes we despise the hurts of others. When Karen was in a, about her eighth month of grieving the loss of our child at birth, someone said to her, they shouldn't have said it, but they said, isn't it about time you get over this? That didn't make her feel good. It did not make her. Because the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn. There are things worth mourning about. There are things worth crying about. And that was worth crying about. That was worth taking time to, to weep over. And so he, Jesus didn't abhor that. He didn't despise her grief. He gave her good grief. And at nine months, she was ready to open up her heart. She's, the Holy Spirit asked her, and she said, I'll let you. A little bit. You know, she wasn't ready to really go full bore. Just open it up and the Holy Spirit began to heal her. Do these things inside of her. So, Isaiah 60, 63 says, In all their affliction, finish it, he was afflicted. 
all their affliction. He was afflicted. Better than giving good advice to those who are affliction, go into the hole with them. Try to feel what they feel, because if you feel what they feel, you might be able to pull them out. The good news, good news is not good advice. Good news is God's power to release. It's not advice. God didn't stand off and say, here's what you ought to do about that. He came, he lived, he died, and he gives us good news, power to release us. So we don't stand back. This is what you need to do in that situation. I think about my mother when my sister, Esther, was going through some real struggles, and I gave her advice, and my mom just cried with her. She got more from my mom than she got from me. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. Thank you, God, that you suffer. you're a suffering God. Thank you that you suffer with us. He, he has healed us. So here's a man who steps out of his family for another woman, leaving a wife who's angry and children who don't know what's going on. And she suffers for 30 years because of this intolerable thing that takes place. Here's a guy who has been working at this job for 30 years, and he hopes to get the raise and that, that what she deserves. And instead, it gives him to an, it's given to an upstart who just came on because they could pay him less. And this guy was released, and it was unjust. And so he suffers. Because that really hurts. And this sister cheats her brother out of the inheritance. He starts drinking. He becomes an alcoholic, and he's suffering. That shouldn't have happened. But there's a whole lot of suffering in the world. Well, we have an answer in the man who suffered and who suffers with people, who's good at it. The best thing that Job's friends did, they did for seven days. That's remarkable. They were true friends. They sat for seven days without saying a word. That was wonderful. As soon as they opened their mouth, it got bad. <laughs> All they had to do was keep their mouth shut, and they were, they were giving him what, what he needed. They were giving him support. They were giving him love. But then they started preaching, and they gave wrong sermons, and God corrected them for their bad theology. And so if we're going to give advice to people who are hurting, you better listen carefully and make sure that you are giving what God would have you give. Okay? Jesus heals not only our sin, but our sorrow. How wonderful. Third, the cross brings healing from sickness. This is really good news because we can get healed by virtue of the cross. How do I... How do I know that? Well, there's a guy sitting at a table, and his nickname is Matt. They call him Matthew. And uh, we don't know why he chose what he did, because it meant you're cutting, off, you're, you're cutting yourself off from your tribe. 
because even Jesus, when he talked about the lowly, he would talk about tax collectors and sinners. Well, there are two groups, the people who sin and the people who are tax collectors, and you kind of mix them together. They're, all, they're one. So why would a Jew become a tax collector? I would say either they had a such love for money that they wanted money, they loved money, or they were desperate. Maybe they were desperate. Zacchaeus was rich. He was small, and he was rich. He had money. We don't know if Matthew had it, but they probably had more money than most people because they were serving Rome, which is a no-no, so you got hated for that, serving Rome, and then collecting more than they should collect. So they always had change in their pockets. So Jesus could have come along, and he could have let this guy have it. Because he was a sinner. I used to think that prophecy was exposing people. Exposing bad things so they'd feel ashamed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it sounds stupid. But I know there are a few others that have felt that. That, that that's what you do. Prophecy is, is you, you bring out things that people are doing. You know, it's dark. It's just the opposite. Prophecy brings encouragement, edification, and comfort. So you're calling them to their future. So Jesus stops at the desk. He knows what this guy is like. And he said two words. What were they? Follow me. How gracious. How kind. Just follow me. And... Uh, that's the surprising thing. And they're wondering, does he know? Does he know this guy? You want to start telling him you don't know, you don't know about Matthew. I know about Matthew. The second surprise was that he did. <laughs> he, he gets up. And he's leaving his past. Does Jesus know his past? Yes. But he's leaving it. He's leaving it behind. And 30 years later, he writes, he pens one of the most beautiful pictures ever been written, ever, ever in 2,000 years. We wouldn't have the Beatitudes without Matthew. We wouldn't have Matthew 5. We wouldn't have the Great Commission as Matthew gives it. So he, he called the right person. He called a tax collector. And so now... He's, as he's writing this, he's looking back to when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And here's what he says. This was to fulfill what was written by the prophet. He took upon our infirmities and bore our disease. That's what Matthew. Is he right? It's the word of God. So Jesus was dying for our sins but he's also dying for sicknesses. And he used that as proof of his healing ministry. And so I find no greater support to pray for healing other than Jesus dying so we can be holy and healthy. Amen. Here endeth the sermon.